2: and welcome to In All Honesty, the podcast where you get the honest answers you didn't know you needed. I'm Michelle Elman, I'm a five board accredited life coach, and I use my experience from this to answer all the questions that have been on your mind lately. This week, we are talking about uncertainty, and I actually chose this topic because the morning I am recording this, it has just been announced that Trump and the first lady tested positive this morning for coronavirus, And I know I'm not in America, but for some reason, it sent me down a little wormhole of googling and seeing what would happen if he got seriously ill and what happens to the election. And he had a debate with Biden two days ago. So what happens if it spreads to Biden? And then what happens when both nominees can't be in the election? And then what would happen if he spread it to the vice president? And who would be in charge then? Turns out the answer to that is the Speaker of the House, who is Nancy Pelosi. Learning lots of things this morning, long story short, it made me feel very uncertain about the future, and more in an empathetic way, because of course America affects the whole world, but I couldn't stop thinking about how uncertain Americans would be feeling this morning. As if they don't have enough to deal with having that president as their president at the moment and then the upcoming election. Even if you aren't American, there are so many things to feel uncertain about in 2020 from job uncertainty to money uncertainty to uncertainty about the future to uncertainty about when this is all going to end and when there's going to be a vaccine and whether the vaccine is going to be safe and all of the things that we would not be thinking about in 2019. It's the prolonged uncertainty that this pandemic brings that has sent us all into a bit of a tailspin and feeling unsafe. And if you're feeling that way, it is completely normal. For me, I have projects coming up both this year and next year that I don't know are going ahead. For a long time in the pandemic, all social media work was put on pause. And then there seemed to be a month where everything was going back to normal in August. And it's now all come to a halt so it's the unpredictability of my income it's the unpredictability of my work and i am one of the people in a good position when it comes to all of that there are people who have lost their jobs entirely and as much as that's all the negative side of it i must say 2020 is the year that i have grown the most and challenged myself the most and impressed myself and been proud of myself the most This year has been hard and as much as it's come with its ebbs and flows I have massively impressed myself in the way that i'm handling it way better than i could have predicted and therefore i think it's also important to note that uncertainty is the perfect opportunity to learn some life skills especially around control and how to navigate around it because if we manage to feel certain in uncertain times we'll have more power when it comes to the small uncertainties in life i mean let's hope there's not another pandemic anytime soon It is said that uncertainty is the enemy of change and within life coaching what is said a lot is that uncertainty and chaos always precedes understanding. You'll be hard pressed to find a time in your life where you understood something without being confused about it first. When I was training as a life coach one of the core things they teach you is that nothing in life is certain and therefore if you wait until you feel certain you will never get anything done. If you look up certainty in the dictionary though, certainty is the state of being definite or having no doubts at all about something. And therefore, certainty is in your mind and you can create certainty. The most successful people are the ones who can feel certain in the most uncertain of circumstances. And I've seen this evidence occur in my own life. When I launched Scar Not Scared, I remember telling all my friends I was going to go viral. I don't know whether I was saying it as a joke at first, but eventually I ended up saying that I wanted to get 10,000 shares. I really wanted it to become a big conversation and I wanted it to be big enough that people in body positivity would start including the conversation of scars, surgery, and illness when they talked about bodies. Specifically, I wanted to start a conversation about surgery scars and I wanted it to be big enough that it would include the people who don't have scars as well. Because every person who has a scar has a story about someone body shaming them without a scar. So in order to create change, we needed to include everyone. And if you want to reach everyone, then the post needs to go viral. And so that's what I was talking about. I believed in it. I truly believed it was an important conversation that needs to be included and that there were people out there who needed this conversation themselves because of their own scars and so I knew it was going to work I had a hundred percent certainty that it was an important thing and it deserved attention turns out I got a hundred thousand shares not ten thousand But I do the same thing before every TV interview, before every job, before every talk that I do. The entire way there, I'll work on my mindset about getting 100% certain that I'll have the best interview, the best talk, or the best job. And if you want to learn how to do that, I give you these tools specifically on my episode on anxiety. So you just go a few back and you will find it. So we can create this certainty ourselves. We put the power and control back into our hands because after all, we can't control the world around us. So let's get into the first question. Hi Michelle, my name is Tracy and I was wondering if you had some advice for me today. I basically was wondering if you had any tips on how to handle the discomfort of uncertainty. I've got a lot of elements in my life that affect each other that I am waiting very impatiently on the outcomes for and I'm having trouble not obsessing And I'm
0: wondering if there's a way to get through this without making myself crazy for
2: no reason, since ultimately I can just wait until I hear the final outcomes and then make some decisions. So I'm interested to hear what you have to say, and take care. Bye. Hey Tracy, thank you so much for your question. I totally relate, I am quite an impatient person and so I hate that phase of waiting and being unsure and it really makes you want to fast forward life so you can just know either way but we can't fast forward life and to be honest I'm also very cautious about wishing my time away like that so instead what you can do is create your own certainty in the uncertainty. Within coaching, we call this acting as if. Outside of coaching, children call this pretending. Act as if you already have the answer you want. How would you be acting right now and what would you be doing? What would you be saying if you knew it was going to happen and it was just a matter of time? My friend Amalia Lee, who I highly recommend following on Instagram, talks about how it's like placing an Amazon order. When you place the order, you don't check the door every day. You know it's on your way even though it hasn't arrived. Imagine what you've asked for is also on its way. That means even if you don't get it or what you're waiting on doesn't work out, you've spent this time focusing on what you do want instead of worrying about what you don't want. And the time passes easier than if you're worrying about something you can't control. Also, I truly believe you act completely differently when you act as if you are 100% certain. For example, I've always had a love for writing, and Am I Ugly, my first book, I started writing at 13, and when I finished writing it, I didn't have a book deal, I didn't have an agent, but I was trying to find an agent, and I thought if I had written for publications, it would increase my chances of getting an agent. I can't actually remember why specifically, but I really wanted to write for Huffington Post. And because I was very new in my life coaching training, I had that new excitable energy that every newbie has and was fully on board with this act as if approach. So I started acting as if it was an accepted reality. And almost like magic, this random idea popped in my mind to email Arianna Huffington herself. At the time, she was still head of Huffington Post. I think she sold it off now, but this is what happens when you're acting as if it's an accepted reality. Some people would have said it was arrogant or inappropriate, in my mind, if I could figure out her email address, then why couldn't I email her? Most people would be stumped at the fact that they didn't know her email address. But because I was 100% certain I was going to find a solution to my problem, I put my mind to it and just thought, well, it was quite easy to guess. Most people who create companies are just their first name at company.com. So I tried it. I laugh when I read this email now because it is kind of arrogant, but I'm not joking. I emailed her as if she was one of my friends. In fact, I'm going to read out how I started this email. Hi, Ariana, I really wanted to shoot you a quick email as I've always dreamed of writing for the Huffington Post and having got into the blogging world, I thought I might as well aim high, shoot for the moon and land among the stars, eh? I'm Michelle and I'm a five board accredited life coach. And then I just introduced myself and attached the blog post I wanted published on there. She replied in 13 minutes, CCing her colleague to set me up on the platform and I quote, feature your voice on HuffPost about your scars post-surgery and whatever else interests you. Do you think I would have done that if I wasn't 100% certain in wanting to make it happen? I acted as if it was a given reality and then made it happen. I truly believe in the power of this. I don't think this idea would have jumped into my head that I could email Ariana Huffington herself. And I don't think I would have had the guts to email her myself if I didn't truly believe this was an accepted reality. I hope this story provides some encouragement and I hope it helps you create some certainty in the uncertainty. After all, you have to wait for the time anyway, so you might as well use it to your benefit. What would you be doing with your time right now if you knew it was going to happen? For example, and I'm making this up, but if you were changing jobs and needed to move, I would start looking up places, tidying up the house now, so that when you get that yes you're waiting for, you are ready. One final thing I want to add is that it's okay to recognise the fact that you might have some fear around these new decisions, even if they work out in your favour. By processing any fear around them, I also think it helps remove any blocks around achieving those goals and also means that you can truly enjoy it when you get the yes you're waiting for. This week in Dissecting Dysfunctional Conversations, we are talking Love Life, which is a new show on BBC iPlayer at the moment. Every week I dissect dysfunctional conversations that I see on TV and we use it as an opportunity to improve our own communication. In this conversation it's between a mother and daughter and the mother has come to New York to look after her daughter after she had just had her appendix removed. The mother has gone out shopping after a little spat with her daughter and ends up getting lost and having a panic attack and when she comes home they get into a fight. The mother says, I get to be mad at you. If you hadn't been so ugly to me, we could have gone out together. And the daughter replies, I'm recovering from surgery. It's not my fault you got lost. You got lost because you don't listen to anyone else. This is being said because as her mother is leaving, Darby, her daughter, was trying to give her directions. She then responds saying, Darby, I dropped everything in my life so that I could be there for you because I know what it's like to be alone and have nobody there for me during my terrible time. Darby then responds, if you want to be there for me, you have to be there for me. You can't make my life harder than it already is. She asks, how am I making your life harder? Her daughter replies, let's take some space trying to end the conversation. And then her mother replies with, no, I get it. I'm a terrible mother. There are a few components of this conversation. First of all, her mother was projecting when she says, because I know what it's like to be alone and have nobody be there during a terrible time. Her mother got divorced from her father and Darby is currently going through a divorce as well. There are two other components to this. The first one is when someone does something to help you, but then feels like they are being owed. If you choose to do something for someone, then you do not get to keep it as an IOU held to your chest. This is shown in the Darby I dropped everything in my life so that I could be there for you. Yes, her daughter asked, but you could have said no. When you say yes to a request like that, then you have to do it without counting and with open hands, not as a martyr or because you are owed thanks or indebted for life. Of course, thanks and appreciation is important, but it should be done out of the goodness of your heart, not to make yourself feel like a good person. It reminds me of the classic situation of a parent saying, I empty the dishwasher every day and no one ever thanks me. And it makes me go, well, who asked you to? They put their own burden of responsibility on themselves and then blame others. The other component I want to talk about is the martyrdom coming out again in the sentence of, I am a terrible mother. It's acting like a victim and it prevents any productive conversation taking place because comments like that try to induce guilt in the other person when that shouldn't be the case. These victim comments halt any good communication and needs to be removed from all healthy productive conversations entirely and just because someone is critiquing you about one thing does not mean that they want to throw away the entire relationship or think that you are a terrible mother. That again. Hi Michelle. Um, I'm a 34 year old single mum of two and I just feel like my life is stagnating. Um, I've been single for five years and I don't get out enough to meet new people. I can't progress in a career because I have no childcare options for a full-time job and the only way I could save for a house would be to move back in with my mum but even if I did that and saved up a decent deposit I wouldn't get a mortgage that would cover a house on my own at the end of it. So basically what can I do to feel like I'm living and making progress and not just like existing day to day you know I thought my 30s would be the settled bit but they're really not so any advice you give me would be great lots of love from Rachel Hey Rachel, that feeling of being stuck and feeling like there are no options and no way out of your situation can be so overwhelming, especially when there's so much going on at the same time. When you have too many elements in your life that are uncertain, your brain can go into overwhelm and shut down because frankly, it all becomes too much. How I would handle this is I would pick one area of my life and you can either pick the area of your life that is causing the most pain or the area of your life that creates the most joy if it were to change. When you focus on one area of your life then you'll find it easier to recognise progress but it's important that progress is not the end results but also the baby steps along the way. Sometimes we set the benchmark of progress too high and therefore we miss the opportunities to recognize growth along the way. Focus on that one area of your life and focus on what is within your control and what you can change. Even if you can't change every element of it, look at what is possible to change within it. The problem with focusing on what you can't change is that your mind will give you more of what you can't change. So our eyes have this thing called a reticular activation system and it basically detects things that confirm that we already believe in. It selects what is relevant to our situation and if you believe something, then it will select it as relevant and important information that you need to notice. So if you think there are no options, then it will focus on that and it will completely ignore the times when opportunities are arising or things are improving. Imagine a person who believes that no one finds them attractive. If you've known a person like this, you'll know how many times you have to be like, what are you doing? That person is flirting with you right there. How are you not noticing that? And they're like, no, what are you talking about? I don't see it. They actually literally do not see it because of the reticular activation system deems those cues as unimportant because they don't align with their already existing belief. The other thing I want you to think about is a time in your life in the past where you went from stuck no options to seeing possibilities. I don't know about you, but it tends to happen with one thought or one action that actually opens up a range of possibility. Whilst this stuck no options phase seems endless, it often is the pause we need before regrouping and gathering and figuring out a way forward. One thing you do need to stop doing though is connecting age to it. There is no correct order to live your life. I know there are certain perceptions of certain decades and this idea that in your 30s you're meant to have it all together, or at least more than in your 20s, but if you talk to 40 year olds or even 6 year olds, most will tell you you truly never have it all figured out. Figuring out life is an illusion. Age does not signify anything, but focusing on age will embed that shame and create a distraction. There is no shame in having a stagnation period, and I know in your mind a stagnation period is a bad thing, but the stagnant period is also the period where you embed all the growth. If you were constantly growing all the time, we wouldn't have time to actually take in all the lessons and use that pause to appreciate how much we have actually grown. And so I personally believe the stagnation period is just as important as the growth period. I'm sending you so much love and good luck with finding that one area of life where you can get started and progress in. Today's three quick tips are about uncertainty. Number one, remember that uncertainty is not a fact. It is what we call in NLP or Neuro Linguistic Programming, a state. So I'm trained in neurolinguistic Programming, or NLP for short, and it is the way of thinking I use the most when it comes to my life coaching. Within life coaching, we will often use the word state, and that describes our mood, how we feel, so you can be an empowered state or an unmotivated state. Uncertainty is simply a state, and that means it can change in an instant. Recall a time in your life when you felt uncertain and then a moment of clarity or something happens and you suddenly feel certain and secure don't believe me? Go back into a time in your life where you felt really certain. You knew where you were heading in life, your future was clear, you knew where you were going. As certain as you feel about your phone number when someone asks you what your phone number is. You wouldn't have to think about it, you just know it. How did that feel to just know that it was a definite future plan? You knew what you wanted to accomplish and more than that you knew the path to get there. Imagine it really vividly, and remember how you are breathing, how you are standing, and how you felt inside your body. Number two, accepting that uncertainty is a part of life, but that we also need to feel safe. When we fight to control what we can't control, all that happens is we end up feeling hopeless and powerless. And we feel even more out of control than if we just let it exist and accept it. Learn to ride the wave instead of working against it. As John Allen Paulus said, Uncertainty is the only uncertainty there is, and knowing how to live with insecurity is the only security. Feel the uncertainty and what emotions it brings up. Use it as an opportunity to process those emotions. Believe it or not, there are people who believe they are at their best when things are uncertain. I'm actually one of those people. I am familiar with chaos. I am comfortable with everything going wrong. And whilst that isn't always a good thing, it means I'm calm and level-headed when I'm unsure about the future. The fact that I can be good in uncertainty and other people are not means that it's not uncertainty that's the problem. It's what you're telling yourself about the uncertainty. Number three, focus on what you can control. There's a saying in life coaching that my life coach uses a lot that says we always have three options, change it, accept it or suffer. There are always elements in every situation that you can change and the rest, let it go. Let's say you lost your job and you're now feeling really uncertain. You can't control whether you can get your job back, but you can control how many job applications you make. You can control whether you keep routine in your day. If a routine will help you feel more in control, then use that. But it's not for everyone. You might not be able to control when your next job is coming, but you can control so many other aspects of your life. And knowing that you have that choice and that freedom and focusing on it will create more of it. You don't need to know all the answers. You just need to know your next step.
0: Hey, my name is Emma. Um I saw your Instagram story about different episode ideas and sending a message. So, I did want to say that the one that really resonated with me and that I think resonates with a lot of people right now is uncertainty. You know, as someone who is really kind of obsessed with control and just planning and knowing, uncertainty has always been something that's difficult for me as many people, but I think you know, 2020 and uncertainty go hand in hand right now, and I know a lot of people are in situations where, you know, the pandemic is always on their mind, and there are just things that we, it's not even like you can't control your next life move, you can't control what happens a month from now, so it's just, it's heightened to this degree of uncertainty, and so I guess my question out of all that is, what are some coping skills and how how do we not even just coping skills but just really accepting and kind of embracing uncertainty because I think it's one thing to just acknowledge that it exists but I also think it's important to then go beyond that and turn it into something positive and not just being uncomfortable with it to actually accepting it and you know being able to work with it not necessarily have it work against you so any insight on that would be greatly appreciated
2: Hey Emma, thank you so much for your question. Yes, 2020 is definitely the year that has come to teach us how to manage uncertainty and let go of control and I am totally with you. We can use that as an opportunity to learn, grow and adapt or we're going to miss this opportunity and I truly believe this year as much as it's provided so much sadness and grief has given us the time to slow down and start feeling a lot of things because we finally have the time to whether that's sadness fear or uncertainty. I also agree that uncertainty can be a positive because when you are 100% certain you actually aren't open to different mindsets or point of views so your opportunity to learn from others is lessened. It's actually really hard as a life coach when someone walks into your office and is 100% certain because that means they are 100% certain about their problems and why they have their problems and therefore you have to work even harder to shift their mindset. Tony Robbins also says that humans have six human needs and while certainty is one of them, uncertainty or another word for that is variety, is another need as well so whilst humans always talk about how they want to control and have certainty it's important to also recognize that as you said uncertainty can not only be a positive but a necessity when it comes to control this is about self-trust people who don't trust themselves try to control the external but if you trust yourself then you trust and know you can handle anything that life throws at you and once you know that the need for control will disappear To build your self-trust get a pen and paper or even get a fancy new journal that will make you feel good about yourself when you write in it and it's important to write it down because it stays longer in your neurology than if you just think it so go through your life and find every moment when you were handed something really unexpected and you handled it well and managed it the best you could when i say go through your life make this an hour-long activity i've done this before and it's taken me three hours to go through every moment in my life you can go for as long as you want it depends how much self-esteem you want if you want to go a step further write down everything you learnt from each situation and if you want to go a step further than that then write down how those learnings benefited you in the future you can't control the world but you can control how you handle it life is unpredictable and whilst 2020 has taken that to a new extreme i truly believe the person in life who wins is the person who is most adaptable and flexible. So how do we build up that muscle? First of all, ask yourself if the pandemic was sent to you as a gift. If instead of it happening to you, it was happening for you, what would it be trying to teach you right now? Keep a journal of everything you have learned in the pandemic, and by doing this, it gives you the perception of control imagine it like a game that in order to cure the world of coronavirus you had to learn a lesson what would that lesson be i just made that up but use it if it works for you and helps you but if it creates like a weird intense pressure maybe don't use that one but i do sometimes find it helpful to view life as a game i play sims so sometimes i imagine myself as a sim in the world and actually on a day i was having a really bad day one of my friends honey ross told me to imagine that my needs were like the needs on a sim game you know, the hunger scale, the social scale, the hygiene scale. And I've been using that on days when it's so difficult to get out of bed in the pandemic. So if that helps you use that as well. That is from Honey Ross, who you can also find on Instagram at Honey Kinney. And she is an amazing account to follow as well. But start viewing life as a game. See it as a treasure hunt. Maybe you can find some hidden gems. What are the secret life lessons? I'll stop now, welcome to how weird my brain is sometimes and welcome to how weird my brain has gotten in a pandemic. Another thing that happens when you're trying to seek control is because the uncertainty creates this feeling of being unsafe or lacking security. You might find yourself wanting to surround yourself with familiar comforts. And I found that it could be really reassuring and healing. And that's not just like a comfy blanket, but it could be comfort music or anything that makes you feel comfortable and secure. I also found anything that brings up nostalgia really comforting and soothing. I hope that helps and I hope it helps knowing that we're all in the same boat of uncertainty and we're all riding these waves together. I'm sending you all my love. Every week I end the episode talking about one thing I'm working on because I think if I'm going to encourage all of you to work on yourselves then I need to show I'm doing the same thing and what better way to show that life coaches also have problems in their life and have things that they are working on as well. The thing I'm working on at the moment is actually my breath. Your breath is a really powerful resource in being able to calm your nervous system down and make sure your body doesn't hold on to stress. So what I've been doing first thing in the morning is I've been taking five deep breaths. Those deep breaths are where I breathe down deep into my stomach. I make sure my stomach pushes all the way out and I fill my lungs fully. I do it to the count of four. I then hold it for four and then I breathe out for six. Always make sure your out breath is longer than your in breath. Another thing I like to do at night is a sigh breath where you breathe in and you'll let your body sigh on the way out. It relaxes your whole body and I've been trying to do this throughout my day not just in the morning or in the evening but anytime I'm finding myself getting stressed or small moments of the day when I'm emptying the dishwasher or in the shower or in the queue at the supermarket I'm making sure to focus on my breath and make sure I'm breathing deeper and breathing slowly. It's allowing myself to ground myself and centre myself more and it gives myself a break even if it's just for two minutes before I get back to work. If you can control your breath you tend to be able to control and manage your emotions a lot easier because your body is affected by your emotions as well. And that's it for the episode thank you so much for your questions this podcast couldn't happen without your voice notes so I seriously appreciate anyone who has sent a question my way. If you want more episodes I need more voice notes and if you'd like to be part of a future episode then get your question answered by emailing me a voice note Asking a question at honesty at mindsetforlife.co.uk. The email address will be in the description below if you didn't catch that. And in the meantime, go pre-order my brand new book, The Joy of Being Selfish, which is out in February 2021. It is actually one of the projects I mentioned earlier and it was the one providing me certainty in all the other uncertainty going on in my career and I wrote it in lockdown so if that means anything to you, which it means a lot to me because that was not the easiest thing to do, please pre-order my book. If you've learned anything from this podcast it would mean the world If you support me on my new book journey, it's something I'm so excited about and I truly believe it is a book that gives you all the information you could ever know on boundaries. Go pre-order The Joy of Being Selfish or you can get my first book, Am I Ugly? that is out right now or watch my TED Talk, Have You Hated Your Body Enough Today? that is just on YouTube if you want to look that up and I look forward to speaking to you in the next episode. So tune in next Wednesday to hear more and thank you so much for listening. Goodbye!